Welcome to the Vince in the Bay podcast. This episode, my guest is Jack Hyde of Sin Security. That's short for Sincerely Security. <laughs> and she's joining me here uh, on this episode to talk about social engineering and uh, physical pen testing. Attackers getting inside a physical location and accessing information that way, the old-fashioned way, just breaking in, but doing it sort of covertly. Um, Mm -hmm. The majority of malicious attacks target the human element. Every company and organization is vulnerable to a social engineering attack, whether in person, over the phone, or through text. Sincerely Security provides customized security testing to corporations of all sizes, specializing in physical security and social engineering. In addition, they are passionate about not just pointing out the holes in your security posture, but helping find solutions to patch them. And they offer in-depth personal training and policy and procedure solutions that fit around your individual workspace. There, I just did a, a promo for you. Oh, thank you so much. And how much would I have had to pay for that if not to do the podcast? <laughs> oh, it, it it's it's on the house. I am so lucky. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, Jack, for visiting with me. I really appreciate you joining me on this podcast. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. So, Jack, which is, uh, I'm going to guess that's not your real name since your last name is Hyde. Yeah, yeah, it's my nom de plume, if you will. Um, Jack is short for Jekyll, Jekyll and Hyde. Um, mm-hmm. It was a, uh, one of my favorite books growing up as a kid, kind of a dark story, but it's uh, I love the, the dual personality idea that you never quite know who's in front of you. I think it fits well with um, my, my business model. <laughs> I just became aware of you about a week ago. I noticed uh, your tweets being uh, retweeted into my timeline, and mm-hmm. you were engaging in a penetration testing operation, which was done physically, and you were live tweeting it as it was happening. Um, what the heck were you doing exactly? Sure. Okay. So a big focus of today's information security model is really focused on the network side of things, uh, making your network perimeter really hard to penetrate so that people, you know, hackers, attackers, uh, corporate, corporate spies can't get into your network. But information security is so much older than computers are. I think that it's wonderful that we place so much emphasis on the network, on the more online side of things, the the technical side. Yeah. But we really have forgotten how to harden our physical perimeters. And that's my job is to kind of point out those holes. Um, If you have the most locked down network in the world, but I can walk past your guards, past your receptionists, get questioned and let go and then sit down and plug in an ethernet jack from an empty desk or an empty, you know, a phone that's not being used and plug it into my computer and access the network, then all of that effort that you put into hardening yourself is for not physical security or social rather. Yeah. The social side of security is 
always the weakest link in any corporation because we're decent people, right? We want other people to like us. We want to be seen as nice folks. So we'll hold the door open for people. And if we see something suspicious, well, we don't want to be seen as silly for pointing it out. So we might not say anything. And these are holes that if attackers aren't taking control or aren't taking advantage of them yet, they absolutely will be in the near future. And it's not just in person. Um, I can do uh, vishing assessments, which is... Um, and and, and uh, that's vishing with a V, right? Yes. V- yeah. Yeah. Phishing, phishing is um, the attempt to influence somebody to do something over text, whether it's a email or a text message or over social media, you want them to send you money or click a link or whatever the case may be. That's phishing. Vishing is basically doing the same thing, but over the phone. So I can call you right now, Vince, and it will show up on your caller ID that it's coming from your mom or from your boss or from the White House. I have apps that can make that happen and tools. And then if I just give you a convincing enough pretext, which is the story that I've made up to convince you that I'm trustworthy or that, uh, you know, whatever the situation is urgent and I need you to do something quickly. If I give you a convincing enough pretext, then, you know, I might be able to influence you to do that thing that I want you to do. So what I was doing last week (laughs) was... I'm what's called a penetration tester. Companies hire me to see if I can get past their physical and social defenses. And um, my friend Tinkersuck and I decided to start live tweeting these things because we've been we've been at this for a few years now. And um, I'm sorry. Did you say did you say Tinkersuck? Yeah, yeah. Tinker. Now, what's that short short for? Tinkerbell. No, Tinkerbell Security. That, that has a nice ring to it, actually. <laughs> Tinker is a, a really awesome guy. Um, he and I have been working together for about a year and a half, and uh, he's he's more technical. He's a he's a network penetration tester, and he's he's an awesome guy. He's on Twitter as well. He was actually the one um, live tweeting from my account. Um, I was on comms. I had a a headset around my neck when we went in and did this physical penetration test um, and I was talking to him the whole time through my headset on my phone and telling him what we were doing and what uh, was going on. So he, he and I have seen, you know, just a, a, a lot of very lax security measures put in place that these very, uh, th- these companies that really should have much higher, more, much more protection. Um, and so we decided to start live tweeting this in, in the effort to make it more engaging for people. You know, if people see exactly how we walk through a physical attack of a building, how we can get past all of their defenses, then maybe we can start fixing those problems. Um, and it's not just coming in a report three months later. Yeah. Um, I thought it was fascinating. So you weren't the one tweet live tweeting. It was it was Tinker who was tweeting and you were teamed up with, but you were teamed up with somebody else as well, right? Was who was the the the, the other person? Was that another technical person? Yes, he he's my I call him my hacker. <laughs> he um, he and I are a red team, um, and we went in as a team. I'm I physically got into the building and then was able to open the door so that he could come in and and hack into the network. So 
what I do is I pretend to be a bad guy. I approach a building without credentials, without contacts inside. After I've been hired, of course, I don't do this pro bono. And I will see if I can get past all of their defenses. And then after, if, if, if I am able to, I report back to them and say, these are all of the things that I found and this is how you can patch those holes. And so um, that's been going on for a while. I don't know if you've seen the movie Sneakers. Oh, yes. That was, that yeah. was, that's what popped in my mind is the opening yeah. scene in Sneakers. I, I love where, that movie. Yeah. Where, uh, where uh, Robert Redford, the opening scene, he just walks right past security into this building and straight up to a, a boardroom and says, you know, here he throws a file on the table and says, oh, you've got all these uh, security holes and yes. blah, blah, blah. And I'll take my check now. Thank you. Is that pretty much how, how it works uh, in that business? Yes. Um, it, the, the results are not usually that immediate, unfortunately, because um, so a lot of the companies I work for, they'll hire me uh, to go to remote locations. I'll, I'll go. Uh, I travel a lot, so I, I am unfortunately not always able to meet my point of contact in person. But, you know, two weeks later, I'll debrief them. I'll call them and say, this is the access I got, and this is, you know, how you how you can really wrap up that, that security hole. Um, and then there's the report, too. But uh, there are some people who take their point of contact uh, and, and will have them waiting out in the parking lot or something. And then if they're able to penetrate, they'll go back in with their point of contact and talk to all the employees that they got past and say, okay, this is what I was doing and this is what you guys did wrong. And I'd eventually like to incorporate that into, uh, into what I do. How'd you get into this? What, what got you uh, inspired and, and started in this field? So I was in journalism before this. Um, I was a, I was really kind of focusing more in uh, investigative journalism and photojournalism. And there was an incident near where I was going to school. Um, and this shook everybody up. It was a small town. So the news crews just descended on the courthouse and um, under very strict security, very, very tight security detail. And I was completely blocked from the parking lot because there were so many trucks and reporters roaming around. But I really, really wanted this interview. It was clear that they weren't really letting anybody in. So I pulled my laptop out of my bag and I had it on my arm and I just walked forward like I was in a hurry typing on my computer like I was late for a meeting or something, you know, and the waves parted for me. I went straight into the courthouse. I was able to uh, actually got, I got in touch with the DA's assistant and um, because of that, I was one of the only people who got a direct interview with the DA. And later on, I was telling, I was just, I was kind of mind blown at how like, wow, I just did that. And I got passed and that was really, you know, I, I got the interview I wanted and I was just riding high and I was talking to a friend about it who's in information security. So I'm like, yeah, I just walked past all of these, you know, security guards. And he was like have you ever thought of doing physical penetration tests? And I had never heard that term before. Um, I thought it was honestly, you know, some sort of like sex work. And I was like, that's not really my style, but thanks. And um, he said, no, 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 that's, you know, and he explained what it was. And I was like, okay, you know, I'll think about it. He came back to me about a year later and said, okay, I've got a job. 
I, nobody on my team has time to do it. And I think you'd be great at this. Just give it a shot. And I was like, okay, well, I'll try. They signed me up for a penetration test and I got in on my first try. And I was like, oh God, that was great. I want to, you know, can I, can I do some more? And so they sent a bunch of work my way. And then I started reaching out to, uh, other companies and, and I've been doing this for about a year and a half now. And it's just, it's, it's a thrill. And, um, I love helping educate people on how to keep themselves more safe. That's awesome. So when you're doing, when you're prepping for one of these jobs, how much work goes into establishing your, your pretext and researching the target and such? It depends on uh, how much advance notice I have that I'm getting the job. It depends on what kind of company it is. There are some people, and I've done this a couple times, where I'll just walk in like I belong. I've done no prep, no homework. Just go in and hope nobody asks me any questions. And if I'm asked a question, you know, like, oh, I'm here with Frank or whatever, and just kind of blow it off like nothing's wrong. I had four jobs last year in France and in Italy um, two in France and two in Italy where, uh, you know, I don't speak French or Italian. And so there was a lot of prep that went into that for me. I had about two weeks <laughs> heads up that this was coming too. So it wasn't like I could learn a whole bunch of either language in the interim. So I did a lot of prep work on my target client instead. Um, I really focused on getting to know them and their operations. I printed out business cards with the logo of my client on it and my name on it that said I worked in their security assessment department or something like that. And I wrote up a letter that said uh, in, in French and Italian that said that I was there to do tests on the router or something like that because we had been, been having breaches and we needed to take care of this problem right away. And uh, I took a, a hacker buddy of mine on those with me too. Tinkersec actually went with me on that. And, um, so that, that was probably the most prep I've ever done for, for an assessment. And that was, I don't know, a couple days in advance. I'm starting to get the image of you as kind of like this, uh, social engineering Peter Pan and you have, tink- <laughs> you have your little Tinkerbell. My little Tinkerbell. <laughs> who assists you with all the, I'm telling him you said that. <laughs> Yeah, that's kind of what he's doing, right? He bl- he brings the mat. You you get him inside, and then he yeah. bring he he turns on the magic and uh, does his voodoo <laughs> or whatever. I love the 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 collaboration aspect of it. You're uh, bringing together physical security and online security together. It kind of reminds me of a lot of this. Kind of reminds me of like uh, the Ocean's Eleven movies. Where, yes, yeah. where I love all those scenes where like Brad Pitt just walks up to a crime scene, pretends like he's an ATF agent and just takes takes his buddy away from the cops saying like, have you have, have you have you checked him for 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 weapons and uh, 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 other other uh, contraband? They're like, no, Jesus Christ. You know, what? get me Briggs who just go. You know, I love that kind of stuff. Yes. And that's that's exactly what social engineering is. It's a. Uh... And penetration testing, too. It's thinking on your feet and, and figuring out, you know, the best thing to say to influence somebody to do the thing you want to do. Yeah, uh, Ocean's Eleven, Mission Mission Impossible, like the old the TV show version of it. I actually haven't seen the newer Mission Impossibles. But this, I asked, this idea of bringing together members 
with totally different skill sets to get the job you need to get done is fascinating to me. And that's one of the reasons I'm learning how to do lock picking and safe cracking. You know, I want to be that well-rounded. Um, <laughs> have you ever seen Leverage? No, I don't think so. Not oh, ringing a bell. You should. You should. If you like that stuff, if you like Ocean's Eleven, you'll love Leverage. Um, it uh, ended in 2014 or 15. Okay. But um, there are five members, and it's like that. They they like spread out their their skill sets. Um, one is like a fighter, and another is a hacker. And there are two women on the team. One is a grifter, a, a social engineer, and the other is a thief. And that's really what I'm trying to go for is is really balanced. Since I'm not technical in the network aspect of things, um, I want to uh, be that well-rounded social engineer thief for for teams like this. And you have to remember when you're assembling your team, you need a, a montage sequence because yeah. that's how it yes. works. And I have in mind that it's not going to be like any sort of like intense action music it's just going to be silence and then like beep beeping like a bomb is about to go off i don't know that's how i see it playing in my head <laughs> yeah hey however however you need like, to build the tension <laughs> so in the course of all all of these different jobs that you've done have you been caught in the act hmm. i have never been caught um i have been playing just turned away a couple times. Um, there was one uh, attack I attempted. Um, they had just, you know, redone their whole security, physical security perimeter around the building, and they had concertina wire, uh, razor wire on an eight-foot-high fence. And I'm, I'm this gung-ho, like I'm gonna go for it type of person. And uh, were you trying to break into a prison? <laughs> Um, that's classified. <laughs> All right. So what do you do in those scenarios where you're getting turned away? Uh, is there some sort of uh, fail-safe method you use to get out of those situations so they're not more any more suspicious than they would normally be? At that particular location, I ended up uh, trying to tailgate into their parking lot. I was approached by a security guard pretty quickly who asked me what I was there for. And I said I was at, and, and, and it usually works saying that you're there for an interview with HR. Um, at this at this particular point, he was like, ma'am, there is no HR department here. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> you know, that, 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 that's not going to work this time. OK, well, thanks. At that point, you know, they were already suspicious. And uh, I, I wasn't getting in at that location. A couple other times, I'll just say you know, oh, sorry, walked into the wrong room. I'm lost. Can you direct me to wherever? And then and then I'm sent out of the room and I'll try another avenue into the building. But I've never been, I've never been straight up caught yet. Um, I'm looking forward to that day. <laughs> I, I think this is great. And I think more co corporations and organizations should, should be doing this type of thing, um, especially here in Silicon Valley. I know from I know from personal experience. I used to work at a pretty large, well-known tech company here in the in the Silicon sure. Valley, who has a huge, sprawling campus. And, and the lifestyle that a lot of these uh, tech companies promote is very casual. People showing up to work in yeah. t-shirts and shorts and flip flops. 
So it's so easy to blend in with these people, show up around noon when it's lunchtime and there's people walking around all over the place, going in and out of doors. It would be so easy for somebody to just tailgate behind somebody into the cafeteria and then you're in. And you just have yeah. to look like you you belong there. I mean, you don't even have. I mean, you could go an extra an extra uh, mile and you know maybe get a a, a sweatshirt or a t shirt with the logo of the right. com- the company right. the company. But you don't even need that. You just just look like a nerd. Look like a programmer. Look like you again. Look like you belong. A lot of these people at these at these tech companies. A lot of them are are programmers and they're very they're like hermits they're very shy they're very timid and they're not which they're, means they're not going to approach somebody exactly totally non totally non-confrontational so they're not even going to question they just they just walk in and they don't even they, they just want to go beeline to the food or beeline back to their desk or whatever and exactly. when i was working there they did have a policy where they're like well you know every anytime you walk into a building turn around if you let somebody in, ask them to show their badge so you know that they work there. But, you know, I, I used to follow people into buildings all the time. And I can't remember more than maybe like two or three times that somebody even questioned me. And it would be yes. so easy for somebody to just waltz in there and then, you know, walk into one of the offices. And, and all these offices are just open air. You know, there's cubicles wide open. And... Yeah. um you know, it doesn't, it, it wouldn't be hard at all for somebody to just walk into, you know, they have like these rooms, these conference rooms where they have, they have phone banks in there and you could just pull out the network cable and plug right in and boom, yes, you're, you're yeah, on the corporate network. Conference rooms are my friend, when, especially when you have a large building or when you have multiple locations of a retail store or a corporation, you have to start really digging into the policy and procedure of, uh, they're the security there. Um, you know, you, you, we want to hold doors open for people. We live in a civilized society, one would argue. And that is important to us that people see us as good people. Um, and we want to be nice. So, you know, this whole no tailgating, zero tailgating thing, it's not going to work, especially when I strap on my fake silicone belly that makes me look like I'm very pregnant, you're not going to slam the door in the pregnant woman's face. Um, if somebody is old, if they're in a wheelchair, if they look like they're distraught, you're not going to be, you know, unless you're, you're very hyper paranoid, like some people in InfoSec, you're not going to shut people down like that. And that's okay. What we need to change is not the culture, but the policy. If you don't recognize somebody or you suspect something, or if somebody comes in and they don't have a badge, then you don't have to say something to them. Because again, we're talking about, you know, people who are non-confrontational, people who, who uh, aren't necessarily social creatures naturally. Go tell your boss, go tell security, go tell the manager. And that's what I encourage people to do. Um, I was doing this engagement where uh, it was, there was a no tailgating policy at this place. There was a rule that every visitor had to have a uh, an escort walk around with them inside of the their location, and I got in. I was able to use a pretext. I think I said I was an interior designer and I was there to renovate the offices. Um, and of course, everybody loves that. They're they're all for that. Let me tell you everything. Yeah, you know, you need a new chair. That's you know, I can I can do that for you. You guys want 
you know, an open office space or higher office space. You know what? How about we divide it down the middle so people who want higher cubicles can go over here? You know, it, it's just everybody loves having a say in the place they spend the most waking hours. So I, I really like using that. Um, I kind of broke away from my handler during this um, during this particular engagement. And I was wandering around. And uh, the, the vice president of this location his, you know, his door was wide open, his stuff was on his desk, his computer was up and unlocked. And I, I walked in and I sat down in his chair and took a selfie and I went through some of his papers. And um, as I, you know, I got up and as I was walking out, a lady was walking into his office with, you know, a stack of papers and she saw that I was alone in the office and that I was only wearing a visitor badge. And she goes, oh, ma'am, excuse me, you're not supposed to be here without an escort. And I replied, oh, don't worry, I'll just be here for a minute. <clears throat> and she said, oh, okay, and walked into his office. I walked out. Absolutely nothing happened. She didn't, you know, she, she had a one-to-one correlation for this as far as policy is concerned. Visitor needs escort. But she had been taught to say something when she saw something and then kind of accepted the first thing that came out of my mouth. Um, and I think that was probably the furthest her training carried her when in reality, you know, see something, say something is great, but if nothing happens, maybe she should have gotten, gotten her boss or gone to speak to security. You know, that one step is not enough. We know exactly what to do. If you catch fire right now, what are you supposed to do? If you bodily, you know, are in flames, what do you do? Stop, drop, and roll if you're on fire, right? Right. One of uh, my my little fail-safe things to get out of confrontation is if I'm walking down the street and I see somebody that's about, you know, maybe like a homeless person about to solicit me or maybe some tough guy who wants to like, you know, talk smack to me, I'll just start picking my nose or doing, you know, just do some, just pick your butt or whatever, do something really embarrassing and weird. And it, it's amazing how people will just kind of get turned off and, and, and move on. Yeah. Another one of these things with uh, physical security that I find absolutely uh, horrendous is um, you'll have these huge corporations, these tech companies that put all this money into to security and 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 you know hiring contractors and and so on and so forth to come in and and harden their their virtual networks and everything, and then they put like a nineteen year old kid at the front door getting twelve bucks an hour to make sure that yes. nobody gets in. Um, I've had people ask me, like, how much do you think the pay scale has to do with the fact that, you know, people don't care. It's more than just they don't want to start a fight. They don't want to you know, cause a scene. They don't want to approach the person that may or may not be in the building without permission. But what they do care about is themselves. They care about themselves and their families. And so a big thing that I push is if you teach people how to protect themselves and their families, they will be much more able and much more willing to protect the companies that they work for. So if you educate people on what a real uh, phishing email looks like, you know, they're not all from Nigerian princes anymore. Phishing emails look pretty legit nowadays. 
And it wasn't until I really started studying this stuff to learn how to protect others that I really figured out, like, oh, that email doesn't look great, Grandma. You know, you probably shouldn't click on that. People, when I tell them that I can spoof numbers, that I can fake numbers and make it look like somebody else is calling them, somebody that they know, somebody that they trust, that I can make that number appear on their caller ID, they're shocked. I, I usually try to do a live demonstration for them. And their minds are just totally blown and they feel really creepy and this isn't, this isn't right. And, you know, how can I trust people? But this shouldn't be a secret. People should know about this stuff. Yeah. And, and, and on that note, um, what are, what are some tips that you would give to a listener who is, you know, maybe working in, in an office environment and maybe they don't have a policy in place um, what are some things that people can do right now or think about in order to protect themselves or protect their organization against attackers in the physical realm? A lot of this stuff carries over. Um, if you're on the lookout for this stuff in your personal life, it's basically the same thing you've got to look for at your job. Um, ask yourself if, if you're contacted by somebody, did they call me or did I call them? Were you expecting a call from this person? Even if it says it's your boss on the phone and the person on the line says, oh, it's their assistant. Ask yourself those questions. And you should never, ever hand over sensitive information or access to somebody you don't know. Unless you know them beyond a shadow of a doubt, don't hand it over. Also, business cards. I cannot tell you how many times, just on the subject of faking identities, Somebody's been kind of confused by my presence or maybe even suspicious of me and I whip out the business card and they're like, oh, well, you clearly took the time to have these beautiful cards printed out with your name and my company's logo on them. So you must be legitimate. Let me let you in. When in reality, I printed them out the night before and they cost me five bucks. So it's not a form of legitimate credibility. Now, if you don't feel safe in a situation, get out of that situation and talk to your boss or your manager. Just tell somebody else and make sure that you're not in that alone because then it's all on you. Whereas if you tell your boss, like, hey, something, you know, this person just walked in and sat down on the, at this cubicle. I've never seen them before. You know, it, were we expecting somebody to come in? Then it's on your boss. It's, it's on the manager to come by and question me or that malicious attacker, whoever, whoever it is. It's not on you anymore. And the last one is for like bosses and managers, IT professionals, security professionals. We really need to start empowering our people to talk to us. If they are afraid to come to us because they're embarrassed that they clicked on the phishing email. They're not going to come to us. They're just going to close it and pretend like nothing happened. But if they feel like they can come and talk to you, then you'll be able to respond much quicker. If they know what to look out for and, you know, maybe they come to me, you might even find people that are overzealous about being part of the security team, but I would rather have a bunch of false alarms <laughs> than have a whole team of people that weren't aware of security threats. Um, if you treat them like idiots or like they're wasting their time, they're not going to talk to you. 
and if you need to counsel them for something they've done wrong, like letting somebody tailgate or uh, clicking on a phishing email, do it in private. But if they've done something right, praise them in public and make a big deal out of it because it's almost like a gamification. People want to be praised. People want to be acknowledged. And recognize that your people are not there to be security. They're there for HR. They're there for construction. They're there for you know, to be reporters, whatever the case may be, it is your job to do the security, not theirs. I've heard the the stupid, stupid user, stupid user did this, stupid user did, did that too often. And it's, it, it needs to stop. It sounds like the physical equivalent of patch. You just need to patch everything. Every time, <laughs> every time there's a big hack, well, you idiots, how come you didn't patch? Why are you guys patching stuff? Just yeah. patch, 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 patch. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. All right. It's not always that easy, but whatever. No, no, it's not always that easy. Um, okay, cool. This is great. Um, I just, a couple things I want to uh, wrap up with. Um, on your website, there there are some terms on there that are some of them are new to me, and I'm sure they might be new new to uh, to listeners as well. Uh, one of them is white label contracting. What does that mean? White label contracting. White label contracting uh, is a a term that basically means uh, I I can be hired on at a company, and I will do everything underneath that company's banner. Um, all, all of their branding goes on the reports and the um, product I put out. Okay, black box testing. What the hell does that mean? Black box testing uh, means I have no idea what I'm getting into. And that's 90% of what I do. I've never been in the building before. I've never talked to these people before, never seen their faces. I approach uh, building and assessment with absolutely no clue what I'm walking into. Um, if you've been in a building before, even if it's just for a meeting, you can walk in with some confidence that, you know, there's a hallway and a door to the right or whatever the case may be. Most of the time, I have no idea if I'm walking into the employee break room or into a closet. <laughs> I don't know um, if I am approaching a door that has a badged access or a pin pad or, you know, I have no, no clue what I'm uh, going to face when I go into these assessments. Okay. So then what is white box testing? White box testing is actually, um, as a very close second, I, I, I would say my second favorite thing to do, but I really love training too. I love my job in general. Um, white box testing means I walk in there with their security team. Um, I walk in with uh, the manager of the building, the, the, um, the CEO, whoever, whoever is available. We walk through the building together. So I have credentials. They know I'm, they, they know I'm there and that I'm supposed to be there. And we walk through and we look at, um, you know, the, the security measures that they have in place at that time. Uh, camera placement, um, whether or not their badge readers work, um, if there's anything that they can do to improve on the current security. Um, it's a walkthrough. It's a walkthrough. Uh, what else is on here? Uh, we actually, we cut, co we covered a lot of this stuff already. If you, if you have any more questions, um, my website is sensec, S I N S E C dot net. And I'm on Twitter at hide and seek. Once again, that's Jack Hyde, my guest 
for this episode of the podcast. You can find her work at sinsec.net. That's S-I-N-S-E-C.net. And on Twitter, it's hide and seek, spelled H-Y-D-E-N-S-3-3-K. Next week in Las Vegas, it's Hacker Summer Camp. It's what? It's, it's Black Hat, B-Sides Las Vegas, and DEF CON. Are you going to be in Vegas for that next week? I am going to be in Vegas for DEF CON, yep. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be in the social engineering uh, capture the flag, and uh, I think I'm going to do who slided is it anyway, too. Is there anything... <laughs> Is there anything you're going to be doing out out there, or are you just going to be soaking it in? Um, this is my very first DEF CON, and I'm stoked. I didn't realize I was going to be able to go until about a week or two beforehand, so it was way too late to sign up for any of the CTFs or anything. Um, I'm going to be there soaking it all in and fangirling over my, uh, my professional crushes and um, just hanging out with uh, you know like-minded folks. It's going to be amazing. Who are some of your fangirl crushes? Oh, don't make me do this on a podcast. <laughs> okay, fine. Because um, I, I, I'm sure we have some of the same, but it's okay. You know, uh, you don't have to. You can. You don't have to divulge if you don't want to. Okay. Jason Street is one. Uh, human hacker, sultry Asian. Yeah. I hope she likes awkward hugs because she's going to get one. Yeah, I'm going to give people <laughs> awkward hugs too. Everything I do is awkward, so it doesn't. It, it's it's foolproof. But yeah, I, I look forward to it as well, and hopefully I'll catch up with you at, at some point during the week, maybe even in the social engineering village. Absolutely. I'll probably be there most of the time. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Uh, it's, it's really <laughs> you do You do podcasts for fun. I think you'll be okay. I'm just going to I'm just going to try to have fun with it. To me it's 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 a challenge. I love a challenge and it seems and it is really challenging. I'm doing a lot a lot of my OSINT and these the, the flags they they give you are really tough. Um, yeah. I went to a um, a seminar last week that Rachel Toback put on and she yeah. came she came in second place last year and I actually interviewed her for my podcast last year and she told me all about it and she's who got me excited about it. I, that's how I decided to join, and she 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 put on a seminar here locally that I attended that was that was really informative, and I got a lot out of. And I think it's it's posted online somewhere. I know they are streaming it. Oh, that's fantastic! I'll have to look that up. Yeah, Rachel Tofak is another person I'm excited to meet. Yeah, oh, there's just so many of them. I know. <laughs> It's great. It's so much fun. Oh, you're going to have such a blast. Uh, it's 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 really fun. You know, you get to meet all these people that you just know from Twitter or the Internet. I look forward to it every year, and it always goes by way too fast. All right, cool. Well, I think we're good. Anything else you we missed, do you, you think? No, no, I think we got everything. I yeah, hope. I really, really appreciate it. Sweet. Thank you so much. All right, cool. Thank you, and uh, hopefully I'll see you in Vegas. Yes, sir. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Vince in the Bay podcast. You can check out prior episodes on my bloggy blog at vinceinthebay.com. Also, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Google Play. Until next time, ciao. Thank you very nice.